listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's into the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. And featuring Keaton DeRocher. It's a grand slam. I'm telling you. Welcome back to the Red Seat Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined by my regular co-host, Keaton DeRocher of Over the Monster and the Dynasty Guru. Keaton, welcome back. Glad to be back. I got a, I got a question for you, though. I want to yeah. see your opinion on this. Is it weird that uh, I eat ravioli completely plain, like no sauce, no butter, no Parmesan, no, no oil, oil or anything? I just cook them and then like their finger food, pop them in. Yeah, it's super weird. I, yeah, it's weird. <laughs> okay. But you know I what? I can accept my weirdness. Yeah, it's it's a thing. It's not the weirdest thing you do, I'm sure. But <laughs> it's probably up there. Naked ravioli man joining me on the podcast. <laughs> Anyhow, um, we're not here to talk ravs. We're here to talk baseball, Red Sox baseball. Um, we've got a full show for you today, despite... Not a tremendous amount happening with the club. We're going to talk about the mighty Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh, we're going to hit on Tanner Houck, who's getting his first start. We'll talk about some roster movement, and then we'll hit some listener questions. So let's start off with Bobby Dahlbeck. So from September 5th to September 10th, uh, Bobby Dahlbeck homered in five straight games. Uh, that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. That, uh, I mean, we were sold on his power. And when, I mean, he started when he first got to AAA last year, uh, started in a similar fashion uh, in his first few games, just hitting bombs. And we thought maybe there was a chance that he could be a September call up, but it didn't happen. He's here now and he is, uh, he is doing some wild things here at the plate. I thought it was funny. I think it was the first game of the race series, it was either the first or second game. And he went one for four, had a home run, and three strikeouts. And I was just kind of like, that's the perfect microcosm for Bobby Dahlbeck right now. Yeah, that pretty much typifies him. That line is, is uh, you know, 100% modern day, three truth outcomes baseball taken to the absolute extreme. Um, you know, this whole run has been really cool, but... Um, it actually hasn't made me any more uh, confident <laughs> in Bobby Dahlbeck. Uh, and I know that the listeners are probably like, what the hell's wrong with this guy? Be, be excited that Bobby Dahlbeck hit five home runs in a row. Yeah, that was fun. Um, it was really fun. And the thing that still continues to be scary is that throughout all this, he still has a 46.8% strikeout rate. And you can't do that. That's just not going to work. Um, you got to fix that, Mr. Mr. Dahlbeck. And, and I know it's been a short short time, small sample size. I'm still more encouraged uh, about his bat than I am about Jameis' bat. But um, there's going to have to be some major changes here with Dahlbeck's K rate uh, if he wants to succeed. Yes, that's the weird thing. 
you would think based on that K rate that he's not very successful at the plate, but that's not the case. Like normally when you would see um, really kind of either one of these situations, like a guy who is just hammering homers like that, you're like, well, you know, he's due from regression. Pitchers will kind of figure him out and then things will get a little squared away. But then you look at his strikeout rate and you're like, well, actually, I mean, <laughs> maybe pitchers have figured him out, but he's just like the perfect mistake ball hitter where he's just taking advantage of uh, when pitchers aren't executing. But that, yeah, that strikeout is strikeout rate is just screams massive, massive corrections coming for him. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right about all of what you just said, um, and that's what freaks me out a little bit and keeps me from being very bullish on him. I do like him as a target at first base. Um, you know, this this talk about him moving to third, I think, is not going to happen. Devers is playing pretty well over there now, and the bat has really come alive over the second half. Um, There were a couple more fun facts that people posted during the Bobby Dalbeck home run bonanza that I thought were worth mentioning on the podcast. Um, He became the fifth player in MLB history with six home runs in his first 10 games. That's pretty neat. Um, And Jen McCaffrey pointed out that um, four of his home runs, or four in a row or something like that, came using Jackie Bradley Jr.'s bat. And the funny thing about this is not only is he using someone else's bat, but JBJ has been on a super hot streak over like the last 20 plus games. So I I thought it was kind of funny that JBJ's magic bat, I mean, it's kind of like the natural right now. Whatever that bat is, they got to keep that thing around. Yeah, they should probably start handing it off to like everybody in the order. Just use (laughs) that same bat. See if it works on Peraza. Another another out. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Um, but overall, I mean, I'm going to ask you to put on your uh, your Nostradamus hat here while you're eating your naked raviolis. Um, <laughs> but, you know, next year, given the job out of uh, spring training, which Matt and I did the 2021 lineups, and that's what we think is probably going to happen with Dahlbeck at first. We do think there could be someone else that they get to kind of potentially be to be somewhat of a, a secondary option, but I think he's going to be the primary option there. By like July, what is Bobby Dalbeck's strikeout rate? Oh, boy, low thirties. Mm. I mean, it's a significant improvement from where he's at now, but then of course, this is also a. Uh, pretty small sample, but I guess um, how would you feel? I'm going to throw this right back at you. How would you feel if Bobby Dalek was Adam Dunn reincarnated? And, you know, he'd be good for 200 plus strikeouts, but also probably like 40 bombs. I'd feel like that is a fine temporary solution until the Red Sox get Tristan Casas up at the big leagues. And then it just becomes an interesting trade chip or bench option i really don't feel like bobby dalbeck is the future solution here for the red sox at any position like long-term solution i think i'm with you unless something really changes with the hit tool i think i'm with you yeah man it's just it it stinks and you don't want to write a kid off and you're definitely I mean, I'm not going to. I don't think you're going to either. We want him to succeed, but this just seems like such a big 
issue to overcome. Um, but, you know, we'll, we'll have fun watching it for a while anyway, and, and maybe he'll make some big-time corrections. Yeah, I mean, that's one thing. I mean, I guess we were talking about, like, pitchers making corrections to him uh, and seeing some regression, maybe even making it worse. But there is also that other option that, I mean, this is his first time seeing Major League pitching, so he needs to make an adjustment too, and he needs to get used to, you know, what this high-quality pitching day in and day out, and it's extremely possible that he does figure it out and, you know, crawls that strikeout right back into something a little bit more respectable and is able to hit, like, 260, 270. Yeah, if he can do that, he becomes a really dangerous Major League regular. Yeah. All right. Um, let's talk about Tanner Houck. So he is getting the start um, against the Miami Marlins today as you're listening to the podcast on this Tuesday. Um, and this is really interesting because, you know, listening to the Sox Prospects podcast, those guys were theorizing that because the Red Sox are continuing to view him as a starter, that he would actually not get the start. And I, I thought about that logic and, you know, those guys do such a great job over there. And I was like, yeah, you know, that probably makes sense because he's not on the 40 man right now. They'd have to add him. But then I kept thinking that they should do it. And it's something that we have called for on the podcast. And Matt and I talked about it as kind of wanting to see it, but we weren't like totally convinced that it was going to happen. But the Red Sox just have so much fungible crap on this 40 man that it was like, well, like, just let somebody go. Who cares? Right. And, and apparently the team has decided that they're going to do that. Um, and we don't know what the corresponding roster move is, but the end result is we get to see Tanner Houck make a start towards the end of the year. And that's awesome because this rotation has been dog shit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about it, I think, earlier uh, before the season even started when the rotation was just absolute shambles about giving guys a chance to see what you have. And I think this is absolutely the right move. I mean, if they're contending, probably not. But they're not, then they're extremely far from it. So now is the perfect time to figure out what you have in these guys. And they're doing it with the lineup. You see guys um, like Arroyo's getting a ton of time right now. Dalbach Chavis getting a bunch of time. That uh, there are a couple of arms that are worth taking a look at. And so I love that they're doing it. And uh, I am a bit surprised because because typically with arms, they really, really slow play it. But, I mean, there's no better time than now to see what you have in a guy like Hauk. So I would hope that he's going to get more than one. Um, I know that we're, we're kind of running out of games. With, I mean, at most, he's probably looking at two starts. Yeah. With 12 games left. Um, and so I'm hoping that he does get two because I want to know what we have in him. And going into next year, I mean, we're not really going to have a full rotation. We're going to have presumably a Rodo Rodriguez is back if Aldi is healthy right now, Martin Perez. But then those last spots um, – I mean, to start, I don't really know what it's going to look like. Uh, so maybe you have someone like Hauk be able to be that fourth starter to start the season next year, and then you only have to run one bullpen day out there, or hopefully you sign someone in free agency, and then Hauk becomes your fifth starter. Um, so there's a lot to a lot to play with if you know what you have with him. But in order to do that, you got to see him go against major league hitters. So. I'm glad to see that he's getting that chance, and hopefully he gets another one to finish up the season, and then we can kind of understand what we might have here. 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I agree on, on all those counts. And, you know, the interesting thing here is that the development with Hulk that maybe makes them confident in seeing what they have with him and seeing if he can be a solution for next year's rotation is that the fastball slider has always been great, um, but, you know, he needed a pitch to be able to get out lefties because um, his changeup kind of stinks. Um, and he has started throwing a split finger, and apparently it's not bad. Um, so we will see how that pitch plays and how much he actually throws the splitter. But that could be a game-changing pitch for him because the fastball we all know is live and, you know, I, I really like his slider. I think it's a it's a put away pitch, um, or has the potential to be. You know, it's not it's not Chris Sale slider, but the thing's pretty decent. Yeah, um, and I agree with you. I mean, I'd much rather see him in the rotation next year than Reclamation Project Nick Pavetta or someone like that. Yeah, actually, so. completely forgot to add Pavetta. <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to block it out of my mind too. Don't worry. Yeah, I'm good. Apparently he's looked terrible at uh, the complex. So, wow, uh, what a not, shock! Not the complex. The uh, what do you call that? Alternate thing? site. Yes, the alternate site. Um, yeah, sounds like a place from like a Half Life game or something. The alternate <laughs> site. You have to infiltrate the alternate site. Um, all right, Tanner Houck, though. Getting back to to Mister Houck here, um, if Tanner Houck makes these two starts and gets shelled. Um, let's say Miami just bombs the hell out of them. Um, split finger doesn't look good. Has trouble with lefties still. Do you believe that they'll view him just from this sample, these two games, as a reliever? Or do you think next year he just goes back to AAA and continues to work on things as a starter because they need starting depth so bad? Um, yeah, I guess that's what I would expect. I mean, if he gets shelled, then yeah. Um, he's only got 25 innings above double A at this point for his career. So he's, you know, he's 25 innings in triple A and then, um, he would be pitching here. I mean, I guess I don't know if we're counting innings at the alternate site as anything. Um, but it's such a small sample at, the high levels of the minors that I think you got to just kind of give him a chance to figure out how to pitch to more advanced hitters. Um, I, I, which is what I guess I would hope. I hope it's not like he's here. So now he's here for good, whether he gets shelled and then just goes to the bullpen uh, or does, you know, pitches well enough to be like a fourth, fifth starter kind of guy. Even if he gets shelled, I hope that they don't determine his fate off of just these couple games. Mm-hmm. Um, but you do have to see how he's going to react to it. So if he does get shelled, I would think he probably just goes back to AAA to get more innings against advanced hitters. Yeah, it's it's, it's tempting, though. The, the conversion of him to relief is tempting because he could be hell on righties right out of the bullpen. Yeah. Um, probably right away with that two-pitch mix that he has that works really well. And yeah. with, with the bullpen being the way that it is for the Red Sox, I mean, we'll talk about that later, but... It's not not been a good unit for them. No, certainly is not. Yeah, it's going to be interesting with help, though. I'm looking forward to that one. <clears throat> That's one of the things I've been wanting to see all season, so I'm, I'm happy we'll finally get that. 
Um, Nathan Eovaldi was activated from the IL. Um, he pitched okay. Uh, he only threw, what, three innings pitched yep. um, in his, his last outing. I mean, did you get to see any of that? What were your impressions of him? Struck out four, didn't walk any guys. Looked okay. Yeah, I didn't get to see his start, but looking at the stat line, um, that's even kind of better than I expected. Um, he really struggled before he went on, went on the DL, and I'm hoping that those struggles were due to being injured. Now he's healthy, and um, he's going to build up. Not kind of surprised that he only went three because it was his first start back after missing a lot of time. But, yeah, no walks, one run, four strikeouts. You know, struck out more than a batter in inning and actually had success for the first time. Didn't have an outrageous pitch count with it either. Um, that's kind of what I was hoping to see. And hopefully he can keep it going and go a little bit further in his next start. Uh, but uh, a healthy Evaldi um, actually racking up the strikeouts. Like we saw in the, in the first few starts of his where he was really impressive, but he wasn't getting the strikeouts. The strikeouts are back, and then he's still having that, that quality stuff. I mean, I feel like we've now been doing this for a while, talking about how excited we are for a healthy Evaldi, and then he is not. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I, I don't. I don't. I guess I don't really. I just, my ex- expectations for the rest of the season are just for him to keep putting in this quality result while getting more stretched out, and then next year he's gonna have to step up and be a solid number three. So that's what I want to ask you about next. Um, last, what is this? Since 2016, so four years now. 124 innings pitched. 111 innings pitched. 67 innings pitched. 37 innings pitched this year. Obviously, this year being the short season, uh, you know, not hugely indicative of what a full workload is, but he still missed time this year. The guy just misses a shitload of time all the time. Can the Red Sox realistically go into next year viewing him as a number three starter? Like, that doesn't seem wise to me at this point. And I know that. They don't really have a lot of options, especially because they're paying him a lot of money. But, man, it, it seems like a bad plan just taking the money in the contract out of it. It just seems like something I wouldn't want to do. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Yeah, I mean, I'd feel better about it if he had been able to like consistently get to 120 innings. That uh, that's usually like my threshold for guys. Um, but if I mean, he's not even getting that, that's just it's so tough to just rely on him as yeah. a top three starter. And initially, for the first probably like third of the season, third to half of the season, he's going to be the number two until Chris Sale comes back. So it's putting even more on him to be able to stay healthy until at least. <laughs> Hell comes back, and then he can start to fall apart, I guess. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't feel great about it either, but I don't have any other options. Yeah, I agree. Just uh, I, I'm just lamenting the the future injury. injury. I'm borrowing tomorrow's troubles already, Keaton. <laughs> yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs>
All right. So, um, Munoz, our boy Munoz Keaton, he has continued to hit. He looks awesome. Um, I think he's pretty much got that utility role locked up for next year. What say you? Yeah, I think I agree. He has been fun to watch. Uh, not only has he been uh, just producing, but as a player on the baseball field, he's been fun to watch, which is nice. Um, they need that kind of role because right now, I mean, they have guys like, I mean, Chavis can play a couple positions, but to have like a true utility guy that they could slot in essentially everywhere, which, I mean, he can play every infield position and every outfield position, so... If he's producing and able to spell guys on a daily basis, like that's pretty huge. Like, I mean, we saw how effective the Red Sox were. You, last time we talked, you compared him to Brock Holt and playing that utility role. And then we saw how successful Holt was and the Red Sox were with him in that role kind of slotting all over the place. Um, and that's – it's a weird thing to think of a lineup uh, needing that guy that is just like the Swiss Army knife. But if you look around the major leagues um, – you know, all the successful teams have that kind of guy, like uh, Chris Taylor, Kiki Hernandez in L.A., um, who's the um, – shoot, I can't think of the guy's name now for the Cubs. That does – but anyway, successful teams have that kind of guy, and he could be that for the Red Sox. So that's just kind of fun to think about. Yeah, I couldn't think of who you were talking about for the Cubs either. But um, David Bo- Bodie? Well, that yeah, that's the one. Yeah, 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 that's it. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think it's a really important position, and it, it saves guys' legs, too. You know, it keeps guys fresh uh, throughout the year. And um, it was interesting because Matt and I tried to compile our 2021 lineups and what we thought the team would look like. And, man, was that hard because with rebuilding teams, there are just infinite directions they could go in. So they were like, four guys on the roster we were super confident about and then everything else we were just kind of like ah they could do this and that but um Munoz is 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 definitely one of the ones that we were confident in and Matt viewed him as more of an infielder and I viewed him as more of an outfielder because that's how he's been being used recently but like he has played just as much infield in his life and when he was down at the alternate site he was playing mostly infield so that gives them the potential to, you know, run with a outfielder, like a true outfielder on their bench and use him in the infield or the opposite, you know, carry an extra. Infield. I think I kind of side with Matt a little bit. I kind of see him more as an infielder, but you're right that because he can play the outfield just as well as the infield, uh, that gives them that flexibility to figure out how they want to use their bench and then just slot him into the opposite role. So, like, if they for example, brought JBJ back and uh, then Duran came up and they were splitting time in the outfield and they could use Munoz in the infield to supplement that. Is it concerning, though, that we're now up to um, 34 at-bats here and he still hasn't drawn a walk? Eh. Mm. I did notice that, Um, but... I guess I'm not super concerned because it's not like the K rates out outrageous and you know looking yeah. at his walk rates over the course of his career they've always been really low and he's been able to maintain those pretty low K rates as well. I think he's just an aggressive hitter, so I'm actually fine with that for a guy who's going to be coming in, you know, 
uh, either spelling guys or pinch hitting or or whatever. I'd rather have an aggressive hitter. I'm okay with it. I suppose that makes sense. Well, I'm just going to justify my love of Munoz however I can, so it fits. Fair. <laughs> All right, a couple more roster moves I want to hit on before we get to our listener questions today. Um, Josh Taylor and Zach Godley are now both on the IL. Um, Zach Godley is dealing with a flexor strain, uh, which is always kind of worrisome. Um, And uh, Taylor has some shoulder tendinitis going on, which I have some shoulder pain going on, and it's not the same, but it is also my left shoulder, and it hurts, so I feel bad for you because I am hurting. Um, this leaves a bunch of pitchers on the IL for the Red Sox right now. Godly, Hart, I mean, it's not like Hart matters that much, but in the bullpen, Brewer and Bryce, uh, along with Darwinson and Josh Taylor, I mean, that's the majority of the good bullpen arms, which pretty much leaves... Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier, and Phillips Valdez, and a bunch of scrubs in the bullpen. Yeah, it sucks because that just means that we're going to see Matt Hall and Robert Stock and um, what's his face, Lair, there a lot. And they suck and continue to just give up multiple runs every time they're run out there, uh, which is hard to watch now. It's a bit painful. But they don't have anybody else. And there's only 12 games in left in the season that they're not competing, so it's not like they should go out scavenging for arms looking for homes. We're just going to have to try and ride it out. Well, I got some good news for you at least. Matt Hall has been sent down to the alternate site, so you won't have to see Mr. Automatic six runs. That is great. Um, any thoughts on Andrew Triggs or Domingo Tapia? Those are two guys in the bullpen we haven't really had an opportunity to talk about on the podcast, but um, yeah, I don't know. I, I really want to. I want Triggs to be better because the slider is so good against righties. So good. But I just I mean, you can't survive on one pitch, which is you know, where he runs into issues. So it's just I, I want him to be better. Obviously, if he was, he probably wouldn't be here with the Red Sox because they just scooped him up off the wire. But the pitch is so good, I want him to be more successful than he is. Yeah, I remember watching him when he was, when he was with the A's and uh, liking his stuff a little bit. Um, so I'm mildly interested in him too. Uh, so we'll, we'll see what happens with him, but I'm not expecting a whole lot. Um, Christian Arroyo. We got a question about Christian Arroyo from one of our listeners uh, who was it? It was Evan O'Donnell. He says, think the Red Sox will keep Arroyo around for next season. Um, I'm not encouraged that they will. I think this is sort of a, a shot in the dark here to see if anything sticks. He did hit an absolute jack off of uh, Glass now, which I saw while I was watching the game. Um, but overall, I don't see a lot here. But I wanted to get your opinion on Arroyo. Yeah, I don't either. Um, Munoz, I think, is definitely ahead of him is that, like, bench infield depth. Uh, even if they end up, like, moving him to the outfield, they've got, like, Chavis, who can play a couple positions in the infield. Same with Dahlbach, who both, uh, or I guess all three of those, I expect to certainly be on the roster. So I think he's he's slotted behind some guys. I, I guess I wouldn't be shocked if they signed him to a minor league deal and he was in Pawtucket and was, like, one of the first up after an injury or something like that. But I don't think he's going to crack crack that first roster. Yeah, I agree. But they'll play him a lot down the stretch. Give him some time. 
um, see if he has anything. And, uh, you know, if he does, um, perhaps they can use him. You know, they need bodies. So we'll see. Uh, I guess that's the least rousing endorsement I could possibly give. Um, let's get to listener questions. Around the Diamond Podcast says, number one starting pitcher you want in the offseason. Keaton, who is your number one? So it's not a great class, but there are some interesting little nuggets in here. Um, I know we're probably going to talk about Trevor Bauer. I would just prefer not to root for him because I don't like him. Um, plus the way he's pitching, like he's in the race for the Cy Young, so he's going to be expensive. So I don't think the Red Sox are going to make a Super strong run at him, but uh, perhaps I'm wrong. But outside of that, I don't know what Texas is doing um, with their team. It's just kind of in shambles. Corey Kluber has an $18 million club option for next year. He's obviously struggled with injury issues the past couple years, um, which is a bit concerning. But um, take a shot in the dark. At a, like a one or two year deal with Corey Kluber, if he uh, that option is declined and you're able to get him at like nine ten mil, that's interesting to me. And then uh, your boy up there in Toronto, uh, Taiwan Walker is a free agent. Mm. He would be an interesting guy to take a look at. Yeah, those are some interesting names. I I don't hate the idea of Kluber. I just think he might be cooked um yeah he might be and you know um i was really bullish on him this year actually and uh then it went wrong injury wise again uh but i do like him so that's interesting the two most attractive guys in this class to me probably are bauer who i don't think will come here based on everything you've said about the one-year deals that he wants to sign. So I just assume he's going to sign with a contender. Um, but, you know, if if not, I do like him. And I, I agree with you on the personality, but whatever. I think it's kind of funny. Um, Kevin Gosman is really interesting. He's had one of the best strikeout minus walk rates this year. I know that when people picture him, you're probably thinking of the Orioles version, who was getting bombed all the time. But he's actually really reinvented himself this year that being said i don't think he has any desire to come back and pitch in the al east probably not <laughs> been traumatized enough yeah i agree um and that kind of leaves me looking for a realistic option um, and before the year mike minor looked really interesting but he's pitched so bad and his velocities dropped so much he's actually out of the pen now um, Odorizzi has had injuries all year. It's a horrible time for him to be a free agent. Paxton has had injuries all year. Terrible time for him to be a free agent. This class is really crappy for pitchers, honestly. Um, Taiwan Walker, man. I'm telling you. Go for it. Yeah. I'm going to throw something crazy out there. Okay. I like it. John Lester has a $25 million mutual vesting option with a $10 million buyout. Do you think they'll pick that up? Or do you think uh, there's a chance Mr. Lester could become a free agent? 
See, I think he might be cooked too, though. He's been okay this year. Not great, but okay. I mean, the ERA keeps going up and the strikeouts keep going down. He knows how to pitch. He does know how to pitch. That is absolutely true. Yikes. Um, I don't know, $25 million option, though. That is expensive. I kind of feel like he would be leaning towards an opt-out, or not an opt-out, but a buyout uh, from the Cubs there. Um, I mean, he's John Lester, though. Like John Lester coming back would just be great. It would be cool just for the story. In any year that might be a transitional year for the Red Sox, yeah. that might be cool just for the story. Um, other interesting names from the class. I don't really have a top one, but I think if uh, – so Cole Hamels is getting activated – this week, uh, if he can look okay, um, I really like the idea of Cole Hamels for the Red Sox. Um, Anthony Discofani, I like. He's been really out of sorts this year, but I might be interested in him too. He's not that old. Rick Porcello's created. Oh boy, don't don't play with my heart like that. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jackson Posey with our weird question of the week. Um, he says, if the team won out the rest of the way, World Series and all, but you and only you knew that they cheated and could never tell, would you take that trade off? I just, I wouldn't be able to keep a secret. I'd have to tell someone. So I don't, I don't need that kind of stress in my life, so I'm going to say no. <laughs> you know, oddly, I agree with you. Um, I don't need that evil. Don't, don't put that on me. Um, I want to be able to enjoy it in a wholesome way. And if I can't do that, it's not meaningful to me. So, um, yeah, yeah, I'm not doing it. Uh, Richard Banks has our next question. He says, if Real Muto was signed in the offseason, would you accept trading Vasquez and JD with cash considerations to the newly contending Tigers for Matt Manning? Uh, so the scenario would be... Plus Real Muto and Manning and minus Vasquez and JD. Yeah, I would absolutely do that 100%. But there's no way uh, that the Tigers would part with Manning for uh, what would probably be one year of JD and a couple years of Vasquez. No, not even, even with cash. Yeah, that's the type of deal that you would need to like. So first of all, yeah, they're not trading Matt Manning probably for almost anybody at this yeah. point he's as close to untouchable as it gets but like yeah. jd and vasquez just isn't going to fetch you anywhere close to that yeah i mean matt manning top pitching prospect still with six years of control for vasquez with like was he's got two or three and jd I mean, he has two has, yeah so he's got two and jd has two. i mean ish yeah two ish but he's i mean there's no certainty that he stays for those two years. Uh, that would have to be like a desperate trade deadline move where like JD is just in the MVP conversation. Vasquez is still just like a top five catcher. And they're like, holy shit, we got to get a guy because we can win the World Series, but we have to make a move. And then they're like, well, shit, we got a bunch of young arms. Let's part with one of them and bring JD in here. And I, I just don't see that happening. No, I would give this a like zero point zero 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 one percent chance of happening. Yeah. 
Um, and I would love it, but yeah, Matt Manning is not going anywhere. Yeah. Nick has our next question. He says, with potential life on Venus, do you think the Sox should look there for bullpen help? Yes, they should be looking anywhere possible. Um, isn't there a book about women being from Venus and men being from Mars? Yes. Or so Jupiter. Maybe we can uh, get the first MLB female pitcher. Be dope. Yeah. Uh, Robbie Hyde with our next question. He says, Kumar Rocker or Jack Leiter? Two Vandy studs. The Red Sox may be lucky enough to uh, to look at and potentially take one of these two. What do you got? Honestly, I'd be really happy with either. Yeah, me too. I don't think there's a whole lot that separates them. Yeah, there are different types of pitchers. Kumar Rocker is the big-bodied power guy with the wake, the wipeout breaking offering, and, and Lighter is a little bit more undersized, great command, good curveball. Um, pick your pick your great pitcher. Um, I probably yeah. lean Rocker as being like a little safer of a profile. Um, but I love Lighter's command, so man, I'd be stoked with either of these guys. Right now, they are. Well, I guess the Nationals still have three makeup games to play from COVID. Um, so they are in a th- potential three-way tie right now for the second overall pick. And uh, run differential wise. Are they worse or better than those other teams? Uh, Google doesn't show that. Uh, okay. I'd be curious. I just don't know what they're going to be using as a tiebreaker for that in the event that teams end up with the same record. Um, they are way ahead of everybody. In terms of run differential? <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's really yeah. bad. So they're, they're tied with Arizona and Washington. Washington's minus 21. Arizona's minus 49, and the Red Sox are a minus 72. Mm. <laughs> they are running away with that. So if that's the tiebreaker, they're in great shape. <laughs> All right. Well, gotta love that. Uh, the big man has our final question. He says, if we get Sale and Erod back next year, our rotation might actually be good again. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, they still need another piece, like a solid piece. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, a healthy Chris Sale, a healthy Erod, and then Evaldi only has to be your three. Perez is a great fourth or fifth with what he's doing, so I'd like them to sign somebody who could be like a, a SB2. Um, of course, that's hard to find in this free agent class, but uh, there's potential, and I'd feel way better about it. Could be a trade. But, uh, certainly going to be better than it was this year, so there's that. True, actually, yeah, trade is an option. For sure, yeah. I think the trade season is going to be wild for Mr. Bloom this year. All right. Well, that about does it, Keaton, for our podcast today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, please go on, rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and follow us on Twitter. You can follow Keaton at The Spoken Keats. You can follow me at Dev Jake. You can follow Matt at the Over the Monster account or at his personal, at Matt R.Y. Collins. Um, Keaton, you got anything for the people to check out this week? Uh, writing or podcasting elsewhere? 
Nope, not really. Uh, I got a new Dynasty Child coming out tomorrow where you and me and our good friend Shelly got to talk about some fantasy baseball. So check that out. But that's it. Excellent. Excellent. Um, I've got a uh, starting pitcher rankings uh, for the top 100 redraft pitchers if you're into fantasy baseball. Uh, coming out at Fantrax HQ tomorrow. So, or today, as you listen to this. So, go ahead and check that out. And we will be with you next week.